Okay, so Darius, now I, I'm going to just start out because I, I usually start, actually, let me start the way I always start. What did young Darius think that he was going to be when he grew up? Did you always knew you, you knew you was going to be a hooper or did you have other aspirations? Uh, I never really had too many aspirations. Basketball was the only one that was really, uh, seemed like I was getting a lot of love and doing a lot of positive things by doing that, Going, coming from where I came from. So, yeah, I, I think basketball was probably it. And talk about that because, you know, I've had Karan Butler on this show and, you know, he's come from, I like when people realize where you came from, you have a popular podcast, which I'm going to get into later, but I love when people can see the backstory to appreciate the front. So talk about what it was like where you came from. Uh, where I came from is uh, one of the murder capitals, you know, of the United States. Uh, it's 89 blocks. It's on the edge of Illinois. It's right outside of St. Louis. Uh People be saying that, like, when I say I'm from East St. Louis, they think I'm from St. Louis, and which is St. Louis is Missouri, and East St. Louis is Illinois. But I claim both sides. So I love, definitely love both sides. But uh, I grew up in East St. Louis, a rough neighborhood. You know, a lot of people didn't come from come out where I came from. Uh, it's only a few, and uh, I was blessed to uh, come out of there. Basketball was one of them things that I feel like uh, people may kind of push me to it because I seen how I was putting smiles on people's faces and how people was coming out to see me. Like I say, it's not a big city, but to have everybody in the city come see me play, that was like a big thing to me. Well, you know, I, I watched NBA on TNT and it was crazy to watch because when they had y'all on there to watch D Wade and all those other people talk about how you were that guy, you know, so you, yeah. about you were getting a lot of attention in high school. You were the guy that people looked up to, people like a D Wade and in that area. What was it like having the city on your shoulders like that? Because I come from a small town as well. So it's different when you are the guy in the town that everybody looks to and everybody knows about. Uh, I was, uh, it was, I embraced it. You know, uh, I grew up playing against a lot of older folks and they, they put the hammer on me. So I couldn't make no mistake. So once it was my time to shine, you know, I carried it, you know, on my chest and I uh, made sure I represented every time I played. That's what helped me be competitive. That would help me help my game out. Uh, just in that, like uh, just playing with the older cats, it just made me ready for the moment. And when you became an older cat, what was that like in a sense of, you knew you had young young guys looking up to you deep. Like I said, they talk, like I didn't know that. When I watched NBA on TNT, it was very informative to see like the level you were on. You were, you, are and were like one of the premier players. Can you just talk about that moment where you went from, all right, I'm killing it to, I'm gonna be in the NBA. Cause that's that's different. Everybody doesn't get to make it to that next level. Yeah, it was, it was surreal. Like I say, every moment I just embraced it uh, from the from uh, my senior year coming to St. John's uh, before I played the season to after the season, the uh, NBA scouts coming to my games and just the whole process of it. I embraced it all the way down until I started getting upper deck cards and signing them for checks. Okay, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I, uh, I remember my first uh, upper deck sent me like a hundred trading cards. Uh, it was right before the draft and uh, my mom's drove school buses. She made like 45, 46,000 a year. Uh, upper deck gave me like 50, 55,000 to sign a hundred trading cards. And it was like, I made more than my mama. In one, like, it, like in 30 minutes of me signing my name on some cards. And it was just, that's how drastic, that's how instantly it changed, you know? And uh, like I say, going to LA, I've never been to LA, seeing the palm trees, getting drafted by the Clippers. 
it was also real, but all of it, I just embraced it. Uh, thing with D Wade and them and all that, uh, giving a prop, that was a big blessing to hear it from him because, you know, that's my guy and we played together. But I always tried to be a, a, you know, even though I was the superstar, I was the man, I always tried to be a good teammate. Like, uh, that was a big thing for me. I never wanted to treat nobody or none of my teammates like, oh, I was the best player. All of us was like kind of equal. And I just respect that because that's what I tried to do. So I'm glad he noticed that. Everybody noticed that. You can tell the way people talk about you, they noticed that. Now, I love the money games, okay? So you talked mm -hmm. about 55000 for like 100 cards. What was like the craziest, a couple crazy deals that you just couldn't believe when they sat it in front of you? Like, what was some deals? I talked to Quentin, who is co-host of the Knuckleheads Pod alongside with you, and, and he talked about just the Jordan deals and different, like yeah. being one of the beginning people for Jordan brand. That's a crazy concept because we all know Jordan Brand, but y'all was there at the beginning of it. Can you just talk about that stuff? Yeah, Jordan, uh, I think we showed up at Jordan camp with Ann One girl on because uh, <laughs> Ann One was trying to get us, but we always been Nike kids playing in AAU. And, you know, it, you know, once you get really in the game, in, in, in the NBA, it's like now you're in the business. So now it's like toss-up. A lot of people is trying to get you from Adidas and all that stuff. So we showed up at Jordan camp with our Jordan girl on, and um, I mean, with our Adidas girl, our and one girl on, and uh, he was like, what y'all got on? What y'all got that on? For? Well, you say he, we're talking about Michael Jordan. Well, talking Michael Jordan. He was like, like why y'all got that on? And he was like, man, we trying to be Nike and all that. He was like, all right, I'm going to make a phone call. Y'all ain't going to be that no more. Don't show up here tomorrow with that on. So when he made a phone call, my agent called us like, what just happened? He was like, what? <laughs> he was like, Nike just called us and now y'all with Jordan brand and he's sending four boxes a piece for both of y'all. So we got boxes at the hotel cause we were staying at the same resort as him. We got boxes at the hotel with nothing but Jordan. We couldn't even fill our cars up to ride back to LA from Santa Monica with all the stuff that we where had. Where did all come from? It was overnighted to you or like yeah, what? It was overnight. It was like right, instantly right there. We had like 10 pair of shoes, like 10 pair of sweatsuits, shorts, tank tops. We had draw socks, like, <laughs> like, like everything. But that was one of them deals too, that like, you know, it was surreal. I grew up loving Jordan. I'm an Illinois kid. The Bulls and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen is everything to me. And to represent his brand, coming straight out of high school yeah. and they giving us the money that they gave us, giving us five, they gave me 500,000 a year for and it. How you know old what I'm saying? You at that time? Just I was 18. 18. Yeah, I was 18 and I, I got that. And then uh, the second year, this is another surreal thing to me. My agent wanted me to, to, to do these, uh, trial for this movie. Cause uh -huh. the, the producer was, was a big Clippers fan and he liked me. So he was coming out with this movie called The Perfect Score. And it had Scarlett Johansson and uh, Chris Evans in it. And they asked me to do the movie. So I was like, nah, he was like, just go and just audition for it. So I went all the way, flew back out to LA from summertime, cause I didn't want to come back out to LA. Flew to LA, came back out, did the audition and just left and just forgot about it. Just continued with my summer. And they called me, it was like- Before, like, have you ever done anything like that before? I never did, I never did. And they called my agent back, was like, yeah, he, uh, we want him to play the part. And it's gonna be in Vancouver we, next summer or something like that. And I was like, nah, I'm cool. I don't wanna do it. He was like, they talking about giving you a million dollars. That make you look- <laughs> I said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on D-Way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I went to Vancouver. 
I stopped what I was doing, went to Vancouver, did the movie, and uh, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, just being out there doing that movie, uh, I think Holly Berry was out there doing the movie. Uh, they was doing the Jason versus Freddy out there. This was when everybody was going to Vancouver because it was cheaper in Vancouver to do movies than it was in the United States. And uh, just that whole experience, I wouldn't have traded in for a world. It really wasn't just about the money after that. You know what I'm saying? Once I got the, the connections and the friendships and the, all that, and then to see like Chris and Scarlett, you know, be Captain America and do oh, all wow. the stuff that they doing in their career. It's like, man, that just was a dope experience that I never, I cherish to this day. How long did it take the process? Like, how long were you there filming? Was it like- Oh, I'll never really want to be an actor because them hours <laughs> is long. Like, it's, it's like, all right, if you're doing a day scene, when if the sun come up at six, you're going to work from six to six. So if you're doing your night scene, you're going to work from six in, at night to six in the morning to the sun come up. Like, so it was like- Hours for us. Yeah. I want people to understand. Yeah. We used to getting in the gym. You being there three, maybe yeah. four hours with film and everything included. So you was doing 12 hour days on set. Yeah, but I, I was like the comedian on the set. Like I had them bring a basketball gold and we just used to do some of the craziest stuff on the set. And I used to be shooting the ball all the time and they'd be like, hold the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Before they start doing the set. Yeah, I was having fun with it, but I enjoyed it. It was it was it was great to do it. Oh, and you never wanted to, so you don't ever want to go dabble back in that because I heard that you killed it. By the way, I need to watch. Oh it. yeah, I did my Denzel, and you know I did you my did Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> I did my thing in it, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to. Like uh, now, I'm kind of open. You know, I was really shy from the camera, shy from interviews and stuff like that. Now I'm mature, older, got kids, and I'm just trying to, you know, just do something that, I'm, that makes me uncomfortable. Cause I feel like when you do stuff that makes you uncomfortable, that's positive, you, you take another step up in life. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I've been doing with this podcast. That's what I've been doing since I've been around and start showing my face again. Well, let's talk about the podcast. Cause it's not just any little podcast. You guys podcast is the Knuckleheads podcast. It's won awards. You guys numbers are through the roof. Now hearing you say that you used to be shy in front of the camera and stuff. How was that? You're in season six with your podcast, I believe. Mm -hmm. and so we're six seasons deep. What was season one like for a guy that was a little bit shy in front of the camera? Ooh, season one was, was man, I, I did a lot of, I, I had to do a lot of editing, a lot of going over myself, like a lot of looking at myself, critiquing myself. Cause that's what I do instantly when I see myself on camera, I start critiquing myself, whether it's an interview, basketball, whatever it is, I critique myself before anybody. and. uh just that, like cameras and microphones wasn't my thing. Q convinced me to do it. Uh, Quentin and, Richardson, shout to him. He's your, the co-host of the pod. Shout to yeah. Quentin, friend of the show. Q, Q convinced me to do it and uh, it's been a blessing. Like I say, uh, when I started showing my face again and just kind of coming back outside, uh, like I say, one of the things that I always used to see, you had to do something to make you uncomfortable to, you know, to make that next step. And, and when I seen this come, I just took the chance on it, but it's been a blessing because it's made me like a kid in a candy store. I get to see the, the, I get to talk to the best women and the best men players ever to play the game and, and just tell them how much I admire them. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have actors, comedians, rappers, you know, it's just, Everybody. just fun with it. And, and we created something that's, that's really fun and hoping, and we love that everybody like it. 
No, I love that. And you've had some legends on there. Who would you say was one of your, what, what was your favorite episode if you had to pick? I know it's like picking kids, they're all your favorite, but who was, when they came in, like you just really enjoyed the conversation, the vibes, like who was one of your faves? Oh, there's so many, there's so many, but uh, Kobe, Kobe is a special one, you know, cause Kobe is one of the ones and uh, he don't do interviews. He don't really do that. And Kobe seen what we was doing and reached out to us and wanted to be part of something that we was creating. And, you know, Kobe, like Michael Jordan, he walk in the room, you see that gold ring around his whole body, like he going, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So even though we play with him, but that's the respect and the love and know what he do for this game. And just that interview, just going to his office, getting up early in the morning, driving an hour outside of uh, LA, going to his office and man, we be so competitive towards each other. You, you know, we'll never get to the chance to really show each other how much we admire each other. And that was that moment for us. And what was it like? Like, what is his office? Like, what was it like just that drive? It was the hour long drive. You knew you was going to go. And again, we know that was your teammate, but also like Maya Moore was my teammate. And I recognize that she's a, a yeah. global superstar. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's that feeling of, you know, it's your teammate, but you also recognize who that is. Yeah. Uh, him. He, uh, it was just, it was just dope. Like I ain't never really had the opportunity to really be around him and, and talk to him. We was, you know, we was the, the Clippers team out of the LA when they was winning all them championships. So I ain't really had a chance to be around him and really just sit and talk and pick his brain. He always spoke and we always showed each other respect when we see each other. But that one was really a, a good one. You know, I, I really cherish that one because uh, he's not here today no more. And we were some of the last people to talk to him and man, just to hear him and get his energy and for him to tell us like the path that we doing and what we doing is, is what the game need and what, what a lot of players need outside of big time players like him. I thought that was dope. So getting his blessings before he's passed, that definitely was a, a big thing for us. Well, you know, Kobe talked a lot about being a girl dad. He also talked a lot about supporting the WNBA and you all do that so well. So did yeah. That have an effect? Was there a Kobe effect in that? Because you started to see, and not that guys weren't doing it before, NBA players weren't doing it before, but Kobe made it a point to talk about it, be about mm -hmm. it. He made it a hashtag, pretty much. Is that, yeah. that what effect does that have on you in a sense? And and because I know you are a supporter of the WNBA. Yeah. Uh, before we even started this, uh, before we even started this, we we told them every season we having WNBA players on this season. Every season we got to represent them the right way. And I feel like all the guys that've been in the NBA need to represent them the right way because they go to the same Hall of Fame as everybody else. It's not no gender separation or nothing like that and they ballers <laughs> you know what i'm saying and the women is ballers i love the game and i always love the game and uh our first season uh we had cappy poindexter when i was in high school my school played against cappy's school every year and it was the event i watched cappy game just like she sat down and watched my game and cappy was that deal and we had girls at my school named uh keisha cole and rita adams that was dope too and uh, went to big time schools, but Cappy was like the younger one and she was a, a grade under me and she was so dope. And me and my mom always followed her career since then. You know, she was one of the ones that really made me love women's game, love it the right way. And uh, once I really started loving the right way, started noticing who people is from the Don Staley's to the Tina Thompson's. It's like, how can you not love this? Like, this is what we do. You, you know? got a Darius, you got a 
okay because no that's when you say a name like a Cappy Ponder, so that means you you know the game in a sense of yeah. she might not I don't know if she gets enough love as she should just in a sense yeah. of what she's done on the court. So I love that you mentioned her. What up, Cap? Shouts to Cappy. When you talk about knuckleheads, like and and again, it's it's a big show. Like people need to understand Knuckleheads podcast. If you haven't listened, listen to it. What's it like starting to be successful in something other than basketball? Because you know, as athletes. We know what it's like to train and get ready for the game. And we know what it's like to achieve success. But even with myself, like achieving success outside of sports, it's, it's a little different, you know? It is. It, it definitely is. Uh, it, it caught us all by off guard. Like, uh, we didn't expect this. You know, we talk like, oh, yeah, we know everybody and we can call everybody and everybody like us and they'll rock with us. And, you know, it's until you really get in it to really see how people really rock with you. Uh, it's different and then the success of it us coming in and, and having the success of it like it it blew our mind i think it blew the company's player tribune and uh, many media mind for us they didn't know they didn't never had a podcast they didn't know what was going on and how everything was going to be so uh it's just surreal and it, it just feel like i'm doing the right thing when you when you're doing it like that i feel like uh after i went through what i went through i'm sorry <laughs> okay, who, 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 who's your best friend? Yeah, that's my little miniature pencil. That's Jordan, and that's Kobe behind me looking off the couch. <laughs> Kobe and Jordan. But uh, yes, Jordan. Yeah. So uh, ah, uh, But uh, the podcast, the podcast, like the 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 best thing about it, what I went through with bankruptcy and uh, the, losing my mom and going through my little depression mode or going through whatever mode I was in. It's just a blessing for my brothers and sisters for something I created to do it with my brothers and sisters to get me back on track. You know, that's the biggest thing. Governor. That's why I feel like it's such a good thing that we're doing, representing our, you know, the women and the men. No, I love that. And that I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because we saw with Naomi Osaka right now, mental health, people don't put athletes in that space. They think that we're action figures, superstars, and that we don't even have mental issues at all can you just talk about being open about being depressed and, and how that affected the sports world because people don't just usually hear that yeah I, uh my, i'm the only child my mom raised me with my grandma and my granddad and uh i pride myself off being strong being strong-minded strong will you know my mom always taught me to be a king you know she told me my name is darius because darius means king so she always taught me to be strong-willed and strong-minded, and uh, I'm always real, no matter what it is. But when I lost my mom, that was the last person out of my grandma and granddad. I lost. That's the last person I grew up in the house in. I never felt that. I never felt that lonely feel. Cause like if anything happened, my mom always got my back. I got that one person behind me. As long as I got that one, I'm good. My mental right. I'm good. I can talk with her. I'm through. But when I didn't have her, that that really turned it to a whole nother level of that I didn't know, understand and I never felt that before. I felt weak, I felt vulnerable. Uh, I felt like I didn't have my best friend no more. And uh, people go through stuff and and it's, it's really real. You don't know what, what triggered it. And like, you know, as NBA players or as good players, we do feel like we superheroes. You know, we, we be at that point until we get an injury or to something's going on in your family. Like it's, it's a lot of stuff that people don't know and we need to really talk about it. 
to get it, get an understanding of. And I just, like I say, I went through it and it took a lot for me to get out. Well, what you know, did you it, to get out of it? You know, like, and because a lot of times there's athletes don't talk about it, but there's plenty of people that battle it. So what were some of the things that you did to just kind of get yourself out of that mode? Uh, after a while, after t so much time that went by, it was like my kids. I always thought about my kids and uh, just like telling myself I need to pick myself back up for my kids, like to be strong for my kids. I can't just break all the way down and just leave them in this crazy world by themselves. So I want to be here to give them the knowledge, to give them the experiences, to, you know, to, to point them in the right direction. So my kids, the one kind of got me out my slump and of course, friends and family. And, uh, but the biggest thing is like, I thought about my kids every day. Like at that point, I wasn't even talking to my kids. I want to be in the best father in the world. You know what I'm saying? But now everything is back on track. I got all my kids together. I got everything rolling, but you never know what a person is going through. So that's why when you see these players or when you see this and like even the media changing or even with, with her, like I love the support of the other, just not her sport, but other sports. Men and women is, is shouting her out and, and understanding. You know, Venus and Serena went through that so much. You know what I'm saying? And they, but they taught, they daddy was so hard on them and tough on them that they taught them to keep the chin up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they understand completely. So uh, it's a beautiful thing just to see the support. It's a beautiful thing to have the conversation Definitely. right now. Cause like before the first thing they'll say, oh, you crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm I was crazy saying. for being heartbroken. Like people die from depression. People die from heartbreak. People die from stress. Like I'm crazy for losing the person that I love more than anything in the world. And I'm crazy cause I'm depressed. You know, I'm in a slump over it. And yeah. I love, you know, I love that it's being talked about because that's the thing. People don't realize the stigma that was attached to it. If you say anything's wrong, you know, you post yeah. all times. And so just, and you talked about a little bit, the, all the sports teams, well, all the sports leagues. Well, in 2020, I mean, it was no better time to be an athlete. You saw all athletes standing strong together yeah. for a common cause. And I think moving forward, you're starting to see that's the trend now because it started in 2020, even when I opted out. There were NFL players, tennis, baseball, like people that I've never spoke to reached out to me. Yeah. Same thing happening with Naomi. Is mm -hmm. there things that you think, like, what is your solution to media and athletes? Like, have you thought about that? You know, a lot of people are asking, well, what can be done for an athlete to be able to perform at their highest level, but the media to also get what they need to get? What, where do you think is a solution, a common ground that we can meet on with that? Because we know me. It's like, well, the thing that I think is I wouldn't do this podcast with knuckleheads if we was focusing on anything negative or we was focusing on anything that wasn't serious. Like, you know, we, we talk about, we'll get into them deep topics where we talk about mental health, but like the stuff that the rest of these people talk about, like you got a speeding ticket or, you know, just crazy stuff like that. I didn't really care about that, you know what I'm saying? And with these athletes, I think it's that. Like, it's, it's not, you can't, you can have a good interview without it being controversial. And I feel like media got away from that. Everybody, all the other media outlets, it's like, you gotta talk bad about a person or you gotta just be controversial to feel like you got a good interview to get the best ratings. We didn't look for ratings. We didn't care about the clickbait. 
<laughs> like you don't care about none of that because that none of that even matters. You know what I'm saying? We want to represent the person in the right way. And I feel like these people don't do that. They don't respect the person. They 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 forget like what the person has done, what the person has been through to get to where they been, where they at right now. It's like they throw all that out the window. And that's that's not right. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, some people haven't do it. One of the things I, I looked at it with her when she talked about a mental thing is when I got to the NBA, I I was, you know. Straight from the hood, country boy. I never took no no interview, you know, etiquette classes. No way, no proper way to talk through an interview or really pronunciate my words right. I'm real country, using a lot of R's on my words, coming from St. Louis, and all the interviews. You know, I'm just talking like I'm just one of the boys on the block, just talking, not really contraceptive. Like I'm in the NBA and I'm talking to the world. So they the NBA used one of my interviews for the do not do your interview like this what? for the for the rookie class the next year. But why? What was going on in that interview that they I don't I, I just sound just like I haven't done interviews. Like I didn't I haven't been taught how to do a proper a professional interview. Like I'm I'm 18 years old. I'm straight out of high school. But they was using one of these interviews and showing the rookie classes when they coming in of the do not do this, go and get your interview stuff. And I felt some kind of way about that. Not in the point that I was just mad at the NBA because that, that needs to be shown. You know, you need to have these kids. Like if I'm the one that need to be sacrificed to show these kids that, hey, you need to get the proper etiquette classes. So when you talking, doing these interviews, you need to know how to speak well. You know what I'm saying? Speak intelligently, pronunciate your words. Cause we got a lot of country boys from the South <laughs> that, <laughs> You know, talk they slang, but pronunciate your words. You know what I'm saying? Pronunciate your words the right way so people can understand you. And that's what, what I was doing. But, you know, that kind of made me shy away from the camera. That's how of made me shy away from interviews as much. Or, and they kind of make uh, like your organization or your team to be like, oh, don't interview this person <laughs> because this person can't talk properly during the interviews. You know what I'm saying? Like just slick stuff like that. It's like a tricky game, but you you know, and so you got a lot. Find that out. How did you find that out that that your interview was being used and that your team was not? Because did anyone like? Because this is my thought process. If they knew that they thought that this was what you shouldn't do, did they reach out to you to try to help you get media training? Get you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to say this is what you shouldn't do because we helped him, but like, was there any media? No, like back in my day, they they would tell you that. You know, they'll tell you that. I, I won't not say they didn't tell me. They will tell you like, yeah, you need to go and get media training and, and so forth. Phone, but you know, we not we not going to get that. But the new NBA, where is that now? You know, all the bumps. Cause one thing I say about the NBA, once they see a couple of bumps, they go and straighten it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it got to come to their attention. You know, it's hard to cover everything up, but it's, it got to come to their attention. So they doing a, a a better job overall, all around, like feeding healthy food, always having food at the practice facility, better, better equipment, uh, listening to the players talking about mental health, creating a, a mental health doctor that's not with the organization where when you yeah. in there and you land, you having a conversation, they not relaying into the, the GM and the coach. Like this stuff is in place, but this is 20 years from the time that I got drafted, you know? Like when I got drafted, we was practicing at Southwest LA Junior College. We didn't have a facility. See, I don't think people realize like how far the NBA has come. And just even that time span, like you're not old. You know, you're saying yeah. in your time span, y'all didn't even have a practice facility. This is an NBA team. Mm -hmm. that, that's crazy. This was in 2000. 
Yeah, and that's crazy to think about because I know you've seen the conversations about the w- the WNBA, where we are and all that. And I try to tell people, we're at year 25. Like, yeah. we have been in existence 25 years. That's not yeah. I think for that amount, I think we're doing really well. Oh, I think we. I think y'all are doing really well, too. I, I hate when people just really down it, like, the progress haven't been there. Like, because, yeah. like... That league is dope. It's it's not going nowhere. Uh, we need to add some more teams so a, a lot of more of these professional girls can play on this level, and where they don't have to cut as many girls. And uh, it's it's growing. It's 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 a beautiful thing. I can't wait to a couple more years and it's getting there. It's getting there, and so I love hearing stories about because people just see the NBA where it is now, and they're like, "Wow, like this is so different." And it is because they've had withstood the test of time, seventy five plus years, you know, and so. I just, I love hearing stories about OGs, which you are an OG, because <laughs> you guys built it, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, when they say built by, you know, that's, it's, it's on your back, like built by, yeah. Yeah, y'all might be looking at his interview as what not to do, but he was in there, you know, he's yeah. out from where he came from. And so I, to me, I look at that as like a level up, you know, like you figured it out as you went. Now you have a super successful podcast knuckleheads by players tribune you guys check it out and darius thank you so much for joining me on remotely renee thank you for having me Is your partner big boy interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood introducing neighbor to neighbor a california volunteers network that empowers you to take action contribute to local needs and be a part of something bigger than yourself visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community neighbor to neighbor it takes a neighborhood hello everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.